0: This is the year of sweat to small things, right? Like yep. every gain matters. So make sure you ship quickly where appropriate and ship still on meaningful things. But I think conversion optimization is a great thing. And this year, like every kind of place where you have existing traffic, you want to make sure that you've efficiently siphoned that traffic in a meaningful way to become customers. And I think it's a great year to invest in the traffic and the things you already have and get in more from the stuff you already have.
1: You are completely right. The commercial rate optimization CRO is a short term here and now, and we are in a short term here and now focused world with a lot of the economic pressures that businesses are under. So it has to be at the very top of our power rankings, but it wasn't number one. Before we get into the show, here's a quick word from HubSpot. Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content, marketing, for a startup is hard work. Thankfully, HubSpot for Startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects all your teams together. Plus, they have a bunch of resources to help you scale, and they offer discounts up to 90% off. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for Startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com slash startups. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Against the Grain, your show for marketing-minded people everywhere. I'm your host, Kip Bodner. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Kieran Flanagan. Today, we are talking about the trends that are shaping marketing and how you need to be aware of them to change and evolve your marketing strategy. In fact, we're doing our first ever power rankings. We're gonna give you the six most important marketing strategies right now. Kieran, are you excited? We've never done a power ranking ever before of marketing strategies. You and I debated this vigorously off air and we came up with a joint list and it's gonna shock and surprise a bunch of people. But before we get to that, we're gonna talk about trends in just a second, but it was a painful process, right?
0: Yeah, people always love when we do stack rankings. It doesn't get me into trouble at all. Uh, (laughs) I'm so excited (laughs) to be doing this. No, I think the thing that we are trying to do is figure out based upon the trends that we see happening, how that is changing for the better or worse different marketing strategies and giving you the stack rank of the way that you can think about those things. And so you kind of know where to prioritize. This is based upon a universal company. This is based upon all marketers. We are not getting into the nuances. Uh, We are trying to give you like, the list based upon the trends.
1: Yes, take the trends are the most important part. Understand how those trends and our rankings apply to your specific business, your specific market. But this was a lot of fun for us and we think there's so much changing in the world right now. You and I outlined a crazy amount of things changing, trends in the world that we just wanna go through with people so everyone is aware. The first big thing that we've seen changing is budget cuts. You know, you're seeing a lot of layoffs, especially in the technology industry. But what's also coming with those are budget cuts, smaller marketing budgets than before.
0: Yeah, I saw there was a really great post on LinkedIn. It was specifically for product-led companies, but someone had crunched the data and showed PLG companies that sell technology to other businesses, like tech businesses, and then PLG companies who sell technology outside of tech businesses, like to retail and to like the general companies outside of tech. Because if you look at what's happening in the economy, tech has been hit really hard, but actually the... Overall economy is growing, so you have businesses that sell to companies outside of tech. They're actually still doing really well. You know, if you look at the yeah. the numbers, they look pretty good. If you sell specifically to technology companies, there's a lot of budget cuts, a lot of people pulling back on spend within those sectors.
1: But even outside of technology, those other markets are trying to be conservative given the uncertain economic landscape, and they are being much more conservative with their spending. So even if they didn't cut their budget, they're they're right. keeping them flat. They're doing things. They're being much much more thoughtful on how they spend money. And that comes us to a couple of other trends that we talked about. We're seeing buying cycles are being much slower across all industries because of that conservatism. And one of the reasons that those are slowing down trend number three is buying committees, the number of people involved in making a considered purchase are getting bigger. There are more people getting involved because people are getting scared of committing to contracts, committing to budget spend, right? Like You and I talked off air. It's like, you said you are seeing this a ton.
0: There's an account I follow. Actually, I don't know if you follow this account. It's basically someone, they have a private community of salespeople and then they're getting all this data of like the close rates across that company's sales teams. And you're actually starting to see like the average number of sales reps who actually hit quota. And so over time, you can see that's become much, much worse within tech. It, one of the crazy things about that data is it shows you at any given point in time within the company, only 50 to 60% of sales reps are actually making quota. Yeah. And there was obviously a bunch more but data. But that's
1: what all these models are built on. Right. Most sales models are built on 50 to 70% of the sales team hitting quota and the rest underachieving quota, which is bonkers. And I think right. we're going to see that percentage
0: change you're going to see over ch- the next yeah. year or two. We're going to see a change. over the. So you're seeing that in the numbers where there's like the percentage of sales reps hitting quota has decreased for companies to sell in the tech.
1: Yeah. selling to the tech. I think it's also selling to other folks as well. Because another trend we're seeing is companies are consolidating. If they had multiple providers, they're trying to get down to one. One of the things I've been seeing, for example, a lot of people who are big Microsoft or Google app customers are canceling things like Slack and just going with the built-in Gchat product or the built-in chat product on Microsoft Teams because they just want less bills to pay and they want to save money. They are trying to be very cautious of their expense in a world of uncertain economic times, right? Right.
0: Trying to be more frugal. The other things I think, uh, and specifically to to marketing channels, we know that when we started this show, one of the things we kept reiterating was the increase in CPMs. And yes. so you saw that across COVID, you saw that across lockdown, everyone was spending money in digital channels. You started to see that flatten out and even start to come down a little bit. So I think yes. that's another trend that's really important to be mindful of is, wow, well, actually you can get some pretty great rates for paid advertising. The other one that we've seen a lot of and talked a lot about is specifically for search search continues to change organic click-through rates on search pages continue to decline because of things like featured box, featured snippets, Google trying to give you the answer in that search so you never have to click away. Yeah, You know, we're going to see the evolution of that in terms of BARD. Like BARD is going to be featured snippets plus 10. We covered that in our AI show. So I think there's some interesting things happening within the channels. And then you had a really great data point around physical events that I hadn't heard.
1: So I get to physical events. One of the things, Kieran, our friend, mentor, Brian Halligan, sent me an article earlier this week, a good Wall Street Journal article that was all about why you're seeing bad ads on the internet. And it's basically because ad prices are coming down (laughs) that all of these like scammier products and everything can now afford afford to to, like operate and do advertising. So uh, I think that's an interesting illusion. Go check out that journal article. I thought it was really good. And then on the event side of things, what I'm seeing and hearing from the event experts in my life, shout out Kat and a bunch of other folks that I know, is that event production costs are up 20 to 45% depending on the market and everything. And it's happening for several reasons. One is just the actual cost of materials is up through supply chain and other issues. Two, through COVID, a lot of the workforce in the event world left. And so now they're running much smaller teams. So they're only gonna take highly profitable jobs where before when the team was bigger, they was like, oh, I'll do this job at cost or slightly above cost to just like make payroll, do all those things. That's just not happening. So the cost in the event production world going up greatly. I also want to underscore Kieran's points around, we are seeing changes to click-through rates in organic search. We are going to see the search engine results page from Google change dramatically over the next year. Historically, how Google has done that is they've started with their kind of edge case keywords. They don't have ads on, do testing, and then move them to more mainstream keywords. That's what they did with things like answer boxes and things. And I think we're going to continue to see that. So I think we have sometime. But man, there is going to be a lot of transition and change in search. If you did not listen to our or watch our AI Search War episode, I highly recommend it. I thought it was awesome. Check that out. Another interesting trend here, Kieran, is that employee retention is higher. You know, the labor market is starting to be much more confined. So you're having higher sales rep retention, right? So your sales reps are sticking around longer, getting more experience, getting more productive. Your employees are just sticking around longer, which I think allows you to do more long-term strategies, allows you to have more continuity. So I think that's actually a positive in a lot of this. But I do see that happening from uh, when you look at the labor markets, employer retention is improving.
0: And there's a ton of talent in the market, probably Huge. in the best three to four years, never been a better time to hire incredible people. And I think employees sticking around for longer is a great thing because we talked about it before that great work takes patience. And I think the longer you can keep great people at the company, the more great work gets done.
1: Yeah. Do accomplishing the great takes a long time. And so when you can have a continuity of team, you can really build towards that and accomplish big and important things. So I think that is a win in the markers column for a lot of the losses that we just kind of went through. I would also say, Kieran, that like we're seeing a lot of consumer behavior change, right? Consumers are moving to video consumption, especially short form video consumption. That's not news to anybody, but that keeps happening at a fairly alarming rate and a pretty rapid rate. So that's one. Users are getting, they're getting more comfortable with one answer and technology do more work for them. That's why we're seeing companies like OpenAI with ChatGPT take off in terms of usage, because consumers are really just happy to have like that one perfect answer. And so I think we're going to continue to see that and see that happen. And the consumerization of the world is continuing to happen. Users want to have self-serve and like they want better product information, transparent pricing, all of those things for every company. That started in technology, I think that is going to be commonplace for every company in every industry as we move forward over the next year or two. And those consumer behavior changes always should drive changes for marketers.
0: Yeah. Consumers want more value before they actually commit to giving you money. I think that's just going to continue to happen. But like consumers want ease of use, less friction, the ability to extract more value before they actually decide if they want to pay for this thing or not. I think those trends are going to always continue to happen and will dictate the way we build software and market that software.
1: One more I want to cover before we get into power rankings. And that last trend is, I think one of the biggest and most important trends, which is data privacy, data regulation. Right now, if you are a marketer, you are addicted to this really accurate direct response reporting of like, Hey, I spend a thousand dollars on ads. I get this many signups turns into this customers. My return on my ad spend is exactly $3 for every dollar I spend. It's fantastic. All of those things that's going away. That's that that is going away. And it's not because people are tired of it. It's like regulatory issues are forcing that to go away. And I think people are not yet comprehending that and are going to hold on to that perfect ROI, direct response modeling till the very end. Like, what do you think?
0: I think that the era of influence metrics is going to be upon us, right? On the plus side, I suspect we're going to get much better metrics around this stuff, like how influential ads are Mm -hmm. on brand conversion, like these kind of things. On the negative side, it's just going to be harder to correlate that spend to something happening within the business. But I do think it's going to shift to help us figure out how to better measure the influence of the spend. I completely agree. And Google and Facebook have made noise that they are going to start to shift the metrics that they show people based upon like view through conversions, based upon, hey, you you ad got seen. And this is how it correlates to good things happening in your business.
1: Look, the folks at Google and Facebook and, and all the major platforms are pulling their hair out because they're like, look, we're not going to be able to give you what you're used to. Right. And you need to accept the new version and come with us on this journey. And by all accounts, people aren't coming with them on the journey.
0: You well, know? They're like, no, 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 no. we're going to hold on to this thing we have until you pry it from our cold, dying hands. Well, the AdWords business is under attack in two directions, right? Yeah. The AdWords was the greatest business model ever created because it allowed you to advertise right when that person was searching for that tank. Like we talked about this before, the intent was so, so high. That's why that business works so well. And then the second reason it works so well is because they have the surface area within the search page where they can actually blend into something that looks much more organic. Now you have something where, it's going to be under attack from a privacy perspective, and it's going to be under attack in terms of the surface area, because that surface area is going to get dominated by a chatbot and links are going to be secondary to the chat experience.
1: Hold on. There's a third way that, that the AdWords business is getting disrupted too. And we've talked a little bit this in the past. It is the fragmentation of the advertising market. So Google and Meta's combined market share is lower than it has been since 2014. It's sub 50% of the online ad market share because they're just becoming way more channels between right. popularity of video, like YouTube, TikTok, towards, you know, a digital at of home with companies like Uber and DoorDash, Reddit coming up, doing more advertising. Like that is a big thing. And I think one of the trends you're seeing is a lot more what we call direct buys, where you go directly to a creator or directly to somebody who owns that ad real estate to do a deal versus like, oh, I can just bid and this you know, magical technology distributes my ad and optimizes it and everything for me.
0: Right. I'll give you an incredible mind-blowing thing that I must tweet out oh, later because I've just... Please, please. Because people haven't thought about this and I actually just, I've just been thinking about this as you were saying that. So there may be a fourth. Oh. So if you look at uh, the no-click search, so we talked about this earlier, which is, hey, mm-hmm. people go to Google, they type in something and they don't click any links because they get the answer within Google. I don't think people realize how often that happens. On desktop, it's something like 70%. Yes. Right? Think about that in terms of like 10 years ago, Whoa. everyone clicked on the blue links. Now 70% of people do not need to click on the blue links. On mobile, I think it's something like upwards of near 85, 90%. But mobile, if you think about mobile, why does that happen on mobile? It's because people don't want to scroll the blue links. They just want the answer, right? Yes. What works really well on mobile? Chat, because I just have started playing around with Quora, yeah. new chatbot Poe. Yeah. And so I think if you... Think about the kind of movement from desktop to mobile. And then you think that these chat experiences are going to be the way you interact with information on your mobile. Wow, that actually is really interesting because there's no way for any ad placements, right? I'm chatting with Poe, there's no way that I would click on any ad within that interaction. So I think the trend towards mobile and the fact that chat will work much better in mobile than search engines or those ad platforms is another kind of interesting wrinkle that we won't know how it changes things until those things become much more popular.
1: We'll be right back, but let me tell you about a podcast from our network. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, your audio destination for business professionals Join husband and wife team, Al and Leanne Elliott, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Their audience loves the show's unique blend of theory and practice, which helps business owners and leaders simplify consumer psychology. If you enjoy learning what makes people tick, then this is the show for you. Recently, they did an amazing episode on what makes your team say yes, exploring the psychology of influence. Bill Agnew shares his rich experience in behavioral science and delves into the intricate psychology of influence. They explore the fine line between influence and manipulation, uncovering how subtle cues and messaging impact team decision-making and motivation. Whether you're a leader, marketer, or anyone interested in the art of intelligence, this episode is packed with strategies and psychological principles to understand and harness the power of yes in teams and organizations. Listen to Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your podcasts. Wow, my mind did get blown a little bit. And we just listed four things that we said are disrupting, you know, AdWords. What we should really say is those four things are disrupting marketing. Yeah. Right, AdWords is one of the core things being disrupted. But if you go back and listen to those last couple of minutes of the pod again, because those four things are gonna have a major impact on your marketing results over the next one to three years. Full stop, like just understand and know that. And because of those four things and all the other trends we just talked about, we had a vigorous, vigorous debate about our power rankings for marketing strategies today. Q1 2023, where do we stand? Karen? are you ready to go through power rankings now? Let's go. Virtual drum roll, please. Okay, before we get into our power ranking, we did a power ranking of our top six marketing strategies for Q1 2023. We have some honorable mentions, Karen strategies we think are really important, they didn't quite make the top six, you know? And so we want to share those and talk a little bit about those. The first one was events. And the reason events did not capture the top six is... Because of those event costs, and because Kieran, offline in our debate, you had a really good discussion about wanting to stay out of the middle in event marketing. Tell people what that means.
0: Yeah, I think if you look at trends, especially the event costs, because it's going to be such a competitive year, because this is maybe the first full year that everything was back online in terms of offline events, is you don't want to be in the middle. So you either want to do a really large event that has like a meaningful impact on your business, so you really go all in and you make it worth your while, or you do these little smaller events because... I still think if you look at the trends, buying cycles are increasing. The number of people involved within those buying committees have expanded to the number of people who are in there deciding whether to buy your software. These small in-person events are a great way to get customers and other people from the community within a single room and talk about things related to our product, but I don't think you want to be in the middle, right?
1: Hold on, give people event size for the small events, the middling events and like the large scale events. Give us approximate attendees.
0: Okay, we can argue about these. I think large is a thousand plus. Oh, I was going 500 plus. You're going even bigger. I was actually thinking 500 plus. Okay, are we selling tickets? We're going to sell tickets. So 500 plus selling tickets, a thousand plus free. So sell tickets, 500. And then small, I think anywhere between 30 and 50.
1: Oh, I think 30 and 50 is like too big for small. You think it's too small? I think small is more like 10 to 30. When I think about small events, I think about very-
0: You get one buy-in committee in 10 people is like one buy-in
1: committee these days. Well, because you're talking about one member of the buy-in committee from a lot of companies, I think. that's true. You're talking about like, hey, all right, I've got the marketer involved, but like I need to get the CFO involved, so we need to do a CFO event, or I've got the head of sales involved, but I need to get the CEO involved, so we need to do a CEO event, something like that. Right. I think that is a a 10 to 30 person type of thing, because the reason it has to be so small is because you have to have low coordination and production costs to make the economics of that work. yeah Yeah, can you cost that? Yeah, you need to be able to do it in a restaurant or like a low cost event space. So what we are saying, everyone, is stay out of that kind of 40 to 50 person to 500 person event range, because that is a tough, tough place to play in. It's not that you can't make it work, but your margin of error is gonna be much, much bigger in that part of the events world. Okay, we have two more honorable mention strategies before we go to our top six. Another one. Partnership marketing or what we, you and I often call co-marketing, where two companies come together to promote something. We had that as honorable mention because in time where companies are locked down, budgets are smaller, it's harder to get partnerships off the ground. You know, the companies are just more cautious. They're more focused on the things that they can directly control. And so bringing a partner in and elongating the marketing process is harder in those period of times. And we think that there's just going to be more friction in doing really great partnership and co-marketing in the short term.
0: You also find that they have less resources available to do partner marketing. Like a lot of their resources are kind of dedicated to like internal projects and priorities. Yeah.
1: All right, our last honorable mention, Karen, is controversial. People are going to be mad at us. Next honorable mention is email marketing. And email marketing did not crack the top six for us.
0: Well, it's because nothing has changed. <laughs> I actually, maybe, maybe we actually differ in the way that we think. I actually just think it's there because... Nothing has changed for the better or worse. Like email just start keeps cranking along.
1: Well, look, the data privacy stuff is impacting email. That's true. And more and more companies are sending more and more email. And so that's why it didn't crack the top six or those two reasons. It's still a super valuable part of your marketing strategy, but there are some headwinds to email marketing that... Just had it just shy. It was the, the the next up to to crack that top six, but that's what landed email marketing on the honorable mention list.
0: Yeah, there's two clear headwinds versus any really kind of notable tailwinds. Yeah, there's no new tailwinds. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, I agree.
1: There's there's a couple new headwinds. They're not crazy, but they're real. And there's no new tailwinds. So that we had to put it in the honorable mentions. And slide. plus,
0: everyone's writing their emails with AI, so like, everyone's getting more email, and they all sign the same because they're written by the same chatbots. So.
1: It's true. Well, <laughs> you know, what, what is marketing whenever, when AI just writes everything for us? Right. But no, it's gonna be way better than that, people. We promise. Okay, let's get into the top six. You ready for our top six marketing strategies of Q1 2023? Number six, Kieran, people are gonna be surprised that this one is not higher. You ready? Video, like video marketing, YouTube, TikTok, etc. We just have video as a strategy in there. Is at number six? Why isn't it number one, Kieran? We talk about it. All the freaking time.
0: Why isn't it? <laughs> to think. Uh, so I think that the challenge with short-term video is it's something I truly believe in for a lot of brands. And I think that there is a ton of opportunity because it's been done really well for B2C brands and influencers, but not very well in B2B for the most part. The reason I think you could still argue it's number six, so there's a bunch of tailwinds, right? Because we talked about the consumer consumption trend. Yes, It is completely in short from video's favor, right? So actually short from video completely leans into the tailwind of consumer consumption and consumers preferring this kind of video. The only reason I would say that you would have it further down the list for B2B is because we still haven't really cracked The measurement on this stuff, right? Like, let me give you an example. One of our TikTok videos went to like three million views. Is that great? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Is that cool? I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of the short form video, you're kind of doing it, but it's hard to know how it correlates to good things happening to your business. But I think we're gonna get much better at being able to figure that out. And I just think engagement is gold dust for brands and not everything has to translate into like, oh, hey, this thing happened and I can clearly see this person became a customer.
1: Look, we are huge fans of video on marketing against the grain. We're all in. I spend more time trying to figure out how to get better at YouTube than one human being probably ever should. And I'll admit it, it's not a healthy obsession. But there are two headwinds, Kieran. You had measurement, the other one is monetization, right? Like why video is number six for us is because we believe that it is the future. We believe that, If you were going to be a compelling company and brand, you're going to have to have a big and important video presence. But today, with the short-term pressures of this economy, it's harder to monetize for many brands and it's still tricky to measure. And because of that, we think you need to be doing it. But if it's number one and you got all your eggs in that basket, which is not true, but regardless, if it was like your number one focus, I think it would be a little too soon for that, right? And so we wanted it in the top six, but it is not yet like... In the top spot, but will right. probably be number one in the power rankings at some point in the future, right?
0: I still want to talk to the one B2B marketing leader who's, you talk to them in their entire marketing strategy is, oh, yeah, I've gone all in on TikTok over everything else. Like, <laughs> totally. just a complete risk taker.
1: <laughs> if you are all in on YouTube and TikTok and B2B, like, come on the show. I want, I mean, we, we, let's talk. We want, we want to go through it all. Okay. So, number six was video, video marketing. Number five, man, people are going to be shocked. They're going to be like, who are these people? I like, have they, have they completely changed their brains? <laughs> yeah. Number five is search engine optimization or SEO. Kieran, you made your career on SEO. We built HubSpot on SEO. How is it
0: only at number five? I think the reason that search is number five is really because of the number of headwinds, right? I think that there is headwinds (laughs) that are decreasing organic click-through rates. There are headwinds that are coming from AI. There are headwinds that are coming from general interest in software. So this is definitely gonna be a hard year for performance marketing channels, just because overall interest in software is flattened, dampened, and so I think it's gonna be a tricky year for search. I still think that there is real ability to consult. Like if you have domain authority, like if you went search early, there's a real opportunity. You could actually turn AI into a tailwind versus a headwind Mm -hmm. because I I think you actually have much more ways that you can create content more efficiently, lower cogs and actually benefit from the domain authority that other brands would not be able to. But again, if we're leaning into trends, probably a lot more headwinds this year in terms of the interest around software and decreased demand around AI, around the changes that Google are making. And so I think it's going to be a tricky learning year for all of us that understand that search and organic is still the best way for the most part to grow a business.
1: You should be doing a lot of search engine optimization, a lot of search engine marketing. The challenge is there's a lot of uncertainty coming. And so we can't have that at number one with a level of uncertainty that is coming in the market today. And so that is the biggest reason it is sitting where it is at number five. And I'm not saying there's a secret society of search engine optimization people, but if there were, we would have just gotten kicked out
0: for And there five. is. There actually is. If you, All you need to do to find them is go onto Twitter and say, SEO is dead. Here are my three reasons. <laughs> and then give three reasons. And you'll find them all in your comments. You'll find them all in your comments, along with awful, 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 awful Twitter advertising. <laughs> oh, Twitter advertising has gotten Please. so bad. Do something about Twitter <laughs> advertising versus like hanging out at the Super Bowl with Murdoch and tweeting bullshit stuff. Like let's pick the actual <laughs> <ads for advertising. laughs>
1: uh, Okay, before we get into our top four, I want to say we are out here doing the YouTube grind for all of you. We would love it if you hit that, that subscribe button, hit that like button on the video. And more importantly, we'd love a comment on where you agree or what your power ranking would have been in today's episode. So please hit us up, subscribe on YouTube if you love the channel. Okay, next up, Kieran. This is really surprising. Number four for us, product marketing. Why is product marketing so important these days? You and I rail against product marketing sometimes.
0: This is actually one of the places where we debated, right? Because I had ads. A lot I, just, of I, just, I just realized I had ads. And so my reason is this year is going to be a year where we consolidate and work on some things that are going to help us in the medium to long-term. Performance marketing is really the nuts and bolts of how you grow the business, right? And it's measured yeah. in monthly and quarterly cycles. This year is going to be a tricky year for its marketing challenge because of the overall economic climate, consumer trends. And so it's a really great year to like lean in to your messaging and positioning. And so when the performance marketing channels really pick back up, when interests pick back up, you have really nailed the messaging, love that, the story and the positioning of your products. And so I think it's an incredibly important year for product marketing and to really double down on how you position your products in the kind of growing competitive landscape of the world of software or wherever you have product or service
1: go back play that minute again that kieran just said i think that was the perfect articulation of why product marketing is so important and why it's specifically so important right now it maps so much to those trends we talked about the bigger buying committees the close rate trends all of those product marketing helps a ton in that world and that is why we put it number four all right number three baby Online ads, direct response ads, Google, Facebook ads, the like. Why do we put it so high? CPMs. Yeah, cost is coming down. We think there's some opportunity here. Even though the reporting is going to become less accurate, the costs are getting attractive enough that we think it had to be in that three spot, right?
0: When costs come down, the reason they're doing that is because competition is decreasing. Like, If you are a strong, healthy business with strong unit economics, there's two ways that that like that, I'll just use SaaS as an example, right? I know like, we have lots of listeners who are not SaaS brands, but like one of the ways that you win at SaaS is you you win the SMB, then you move up market, you increase your average order price, and then you can use that if you're a PLG business, you can use that improvement in unit economics to drag features into free, right? And so you can mm-hmm. like kill the lower end of the market because you've actually improved the unit economics of the business. Very similar opportunity for paid. Like if you have really strong unit economics as a business, you actually have some budget that you can actually start flowing back into paid advertising better than a lot of the businesses who maybe grew in the good years and have shaky unit economics are getting hit harder in these times of uncertainty. They're all pulling their budget out. You're like, oh, well now I can actually accelerate my growth a little bit through paid advertising in a really kind of cost efficient way. And I think that's why paid advertising has the Pretty great opportunity in terms of what you can do from a direct return on ad spend and an indirect return on ad spend.
1: Nailed it. This is a good time to be in the paid ads world. Short-term revenue focus, cost of ads going down. Number two, we have conversion rate optimization or CRO. Kieran, you love CRO. You want to like take CRO on a nice little date, nice little walk in the park. Let's let's talk to you about it. A little it.
0: bit of tuna salad on the Barcelona beach. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. It's such a good time.
1: Have a nice little glass of wine with CRO. It's wonderful.
0: This is the year of sweat, the small things, right? Yep. Every gain matters. Now I will caveat this. Every gain matters, but do not like be the person who tests the thing that is marginal.
1: Yes, that's a good caveat.
0: Every gain matters, but there's a lot of gains that do not. <laughs> and <laughs> so first of all, do not be the team that takes like three months to ship a single experiment. If that single experiment is going to gain... 1% like conversion rate increase, like just like a non nominal amount, like make sure you ship quickly where appropriate and ship still on meaningful things. But I think conversion rate optimization is a great thing because you really want to spend small things. And this year, like every kind of place where you have existing traffic, you want to make sure that you've efficiently cycled that traffic in a meaningful way to become customers. And I think it's a great year to invest in the traffic and the things you already have and getting more from the stuff you already have.
1: You are completely right. The commercial rate optimization CRO is a short term here and now, and we are in a short term here and now focused world with a lot of the economic pressures that businesses are under. So it has to be at the very top of our power rankings, but it wasn't number one. All right, drum roll please. We now have our top strategy for Q1 2023, brand marketing. Nobody saw this coming. Well, well, why, why did we do
0: brand marketing? Why did we do brand? <laughs> we both agreed on this one, but I would love to hear your thoughts on brand at number one, which I do think is the right place for it.
1: Yeah, if you look at all the trends, storytelling, is going to be more important in a world of AI disruption. Storytelling and emotional storytelling, people make decisions emotionally, not rationally. And so when you're trying to increase your close rates, you're trying to educate a buying committee, you need a great emotional story. And that's what brand marketing does. That's what brand marketing is good at. Costs are down in the market. So it's never been a better time to do brand advertising, for example. If you look at all of the trends we outline, brand helps or supports Almost all of them, right. you know, like that is why it's number one. Is because it has so much influence. We're moving to a world where influence is going to be the core measurement versus direct response. So if you get really great at your story, getting your positioning nailed down in this period of time, and then ramp up your brand marketing, you are going to come out the other side of this uncertain economic times better, healthier, and stronger than ever. And that is why I put it number one. What else would you add?
0: Yeah, I think it's a year to invest in things that are going to give you momentum for the next cycle in tech. And when all of that consumer interest starts to come back and flood back into the market and really figuring out your brand, positioning, messaging. I think it's a great year to invest in those things. And to your point, I think everyone does, even in B2B, buys somewhat with an emotional part of their brain. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a great year to invest in brand. I was going to actually go into the fintech stuff that you and I talked about. Oh, let's save that for another pod. We, we, we got multiple pods coming in yeah, here. There is one thing I want to because it is relevant to this, but we are going to do another pod on why fintech went pop culture. But in fintech, if you look at the way brand evolved over time, is that people start to see money as like part of their actual personality. Yes. And I think that matters in software as well. That's really what your brand is trying to create as a tribe of people who kind of see themselves in somewhat in the product, right? And I know that sounds like hard for a lot of B2B brands, but I think that's part of it.
1: No, we've talked about this a lot. We are in an identity-starved society. People do not have enough identity. Exactly. And brand is a powerful way to help people connect identity to your product, your service. And that's why it's number one for us. All right, so quick recap of our power rankings. Honorable mention, email marketing, event marketing, co-marketing slash partnership marketing. Our top six from six to one, video marketing, SEO, Product marketing, online advertising, conversion rate optimization, and in the number one spot, brand marketing. Leave us a comment, hit us up on Twitter at Kitbodner, at SearchBrat. If you agree or disagree with our power rankings, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you real soon on Marketing Against the Grain.